This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and I'm so glad you're here. I started self-work six and a half years ago now in order to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might be very interested in psychological and emotional issues, but to those of you who really are just curious. Maybe you've never listened to a mental health podcast. I'm glad you're here to give self-work a try. I'm very excited to introduce self-work listeners to Ananta. I get a lot of requests from people who want to speak with y'all, and they introduce themselves to me as experts in what they term transformation. Now, it's a good word, mind you, transformation, but some of it is really not backed up well with exercises and things they want you to do, or there's a lot of expense, and that's just not what Ananta is all about. She is an author and spiritual teacher of Ayurveda, Yoga, and Vedanta. And her new book takes you every step of the way that you need to go to begin to wonder and access and absorb what might be really helpful for you about those three practices in your own life. Again, Ayurveda, that's A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A, yoga, which of course most of us know what it is, and Vedanta. And she's going to talk about all three of those. And she has support groups to help you as well. So we're going on a different kind of journey today. Let's hear from Ananta in her own words, and I quote her. I'm inviting you on an enchanted journey from embattled darkness to hope-filled illumination. My new book, The Way of the Goddess, Daily Rituals to Awaken Your Inner Warrior and Discover Your True Self, is written as a hero's journey from a profound feminine perspective. In it, I share my story of how I overcame trauma and all forms of abuse with the spiritual power of love. The Way of the Goddess also contains simple, everyday rituals ranging from chakra balancing and spiritual reflection to journal prompts, creativity challenges, and more. I really like this, guys, because... If you've wanted to get into yoga, if you've wanted to learn more about chakras, the different energy fields in your body, this is a wonderful beginning step. So, you can learn more about her on the ancientway.co slash Ananta, A-N-A-N-T-A. She also has a huge Instagram following. And if you want to know more about the book, you can go to the ancientway.co slash Way of the Goddess. And you know... Couldn't we all use a little goddess in our lives? (laughs) I think I could. Before we hear from Ananta, let's hear from a returning sponsor and welcome back by Optimizers and Magnesium Breakthrough, another product that I use and love. Hey guys, I want to share with you that recently I've been working on some very important projects that have very short deadlines as always, right? Seems everything today is ASAP. Anyway, I have not been able to keep up with all of my self-care routine. I certainly haven't had breaks to have proper meals and I'm drinking way too much iced tea. I was starting to get really stressed out when I remembered that the magnesium breakthrough I take every night is also a great support for stress management. I'd kind of forgotten that. 
In fact, magnesium is responsible for over 300 body reactions, and Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium formula that delivers all seven different forms of magnesium. I didn't know there were seven forms, one of them being feeling more calm, centered, and in control of our stress. If you're trying to balance life demands, give it a try. Trust me, your mind and your body will thank you for it. What you can do is visit magbreakthrough.com slash selfwork and order now. Oh, in addition to the discount you get by using promo code selfwork10, so that's different, selfwork10, they're also amazing gifts with purchase. That's why I love shopping at Buy Optimizers. Again, go to magbreakthrough.com slash selfwork to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. So here's my new friend, Ananta. Tell self-work listeners, Ananta, about how you began this incredible journey that you that you follow or you talk about in your book and how much um, really delving into Ayurveda medicine and philosophy has helped you so much. First, would you tell us what Ayurveda is? Yes, I would love to tell you what Ayurveda is. It is always such an honor to be able to introduce Ayurveda to people who've never heard of it. I was one of those people myself not too long ago, although it does seem like a long time now. I first learned about Ayurveda as a yoga student. I experienced living an Ayurveda lifestyle at a yoga teacher training center in India and learned that Ayurveda is the world's oldest system of health and healing, which is giving a lifestyle to support the yoga practice so that we can actually evolve spiritually. The whole Mm -hmm. purpose of Ayurveda and its sister science of yoga is actually to support spiritual growth and evolution. So it gives you a holistic lifestyle with a lot of herbal remedies and lifestyle medicine practices you can do to really live in harmony with nature so that you can ultimately realize your true nature or your highest self. So if, if there's a simple way or a little simpler way to, I mean, you explained it beautifully, but if there's a simpler way to to explain Ayurveda, what would that be? If, if someone just said, well, that's something, you know, it's from another culture, or I don't understand it, or how, how would just a, a, a regular person think of, well, how is Ayurveda going to change my life? Ayurveda gives you the key to mastering your daily schedule. Uh-huh. And when you master your daily schedule, you get to master your inner demons. Oh, how interesting. Okay, so let's start out by talking about master your 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 schedule. What what do you mean by that? It's really interesting because these ancient sages who have revealed to us yoga and meditation and, and mindfulness and a lot of the things that are now pretty commonplace even in the western world actually discovered by watching nature, literally observing birds and trees Mm. and plants and the movement of the earth around the sun, that there are optimal times in the day 
for doing certain activities that will maximize the impact and the result of those activities in terms of the outcome that you get from what you're doing at a particular time. That's fascinating. Can you be more specific? Yeah, sure. So a lot of times you learn in yoga and spiritual practices and meditation and those kinds of classes that it's really beneficial to practice early in the morning. And the wisdom of Ayurveda's lifestyle medicine gives more understanding of why that is. They teach in Ayurveda that the early morning hours from approximately 4 a.m. to about 6 a.m. are a time when the entire universe is charged with a lighter energy with the elements of air and space, which make our minds more open and receptive to being able to download solutions to problems that we may Mm -hmm. have, for example, gone to bed with. And Ayurveda is basically seeing the world as being made up of five major building blocks of elements, which are space, air, fire, water, and earth. And these five great elements are said to combine in different ways to make up our physical body, which is why everybody's body is a different combination of these elements. I see. Even if we have the same constitution, we are still very unique because of how exactly these five great elements are combining within us. Mm -hmm. And when we understand the five great elements, we get an understanding of the material world. I think in modern science, we talk about the three states of matter, like the solid, liquid, and gaseous state of matter. And that's really one way of looking at the five great elements. And now modern physicists also talk about a thermal state of matter, which is like the fire element of transformation and metabolism, and then a potential state of matter, which is like the space element from which everything is emerging. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to stop you for a second <laughs> because I'm sitting here thinking what, you know, if I were listening going, well, wait a minute, I'm not a scientist. What? I mean, I, I, I get the 4 to 6 a.m. part, but once we start <laughs> talking about scientific things, I don't quite understand how that's going to help me. So, again, I'm trying to ask you to, and it may be a, a, a very difficult thing to do, I'm asking you to do, probably <laughs> it is, but to sort of simplify it or say so this is how this would create a positive affirmative or affirming fulfilling kind of direction for anyone to go yeah yeah sure it is a science so there's that way of talking about it but we also look at ayurveda as being an art like the art of living so that's more everyday i think and down to earth So if we're talking about Ayurveda as an art of living, then waking up early in the morning and... Which I love to do, by the way. I'm quite the early riser. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. And I'm sure that's led you to be able to do what you do so well in terms of reaching people, serving people, connecting with people. I think a lot of like CEOs and really successful people have this habit of waking up early because it does help you to get recharged and rejuvenated and inspired. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of inspiration that you get from waking up early in the morning. It's like having a blank canvas for the day 
and you have the ability to sit and reflect on what you want to paint on that empty canvas of your day. And when you wake up early, the ideas that you have to put on the canvas are a lot more inspiring and uplifting and motivational than the ideas maybe that come when you're rushed, looking at your smartphone, rolling out of bed and grabbing coffee to help you feel more awake. Also, when you wake up early, it helps you not only wake up, but to feel more refreshed during the day and to mm-hmm. sleep more easily at night. Mm-hmm. It also enhances the quality of your sleep. So, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of benefits to it. And also if people have trouble digesting their food and eliminating bowels in the morning, then the practice of waking up early also helps with that. So there's a lot of practical and <laughs> inspirational reasons why this is a good thing to do. <laughs> well, I think that would definitely appeal to people to be able to say, hey, if my if my natural functions function, that's always better. Let's get more specific about your book. It's called The Way of the Goddess, Daily Rituals to Awaken Your Inner Warrior and Discover Your True Self. And um, I told you when we tried to do this interview before that I found the book beautiful i mean it is the writing is beautiful the stories are beautiful um the the actual art is just uh stunning but how did you and, and you talk about the different chakras which i think is probably another word that a lot of people at least have heard and and know something about what they are and then you tell these stories that are that are meant, if I'm understanding correctly, they are meant to help us understand how we grow and move and work within different chakras. Would that be, and then how we, how we move into the next or how we, how we transform ourselves. Would that be the word that would be accurate or at least on target a little bit? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a book about healing and transformation through a hero's journey of the nine chakras and nine avatars of a warrior mother goddess, which Mm -hmm. is a mythological story. So anyone of any religious or spiritual background can benefit from this book. It's a universal story and a universal journey that you can take to deepen also any faith that someone may already be practicing. So what's one of your favorite stories um, or these mythological stories that you think are particularly that you think is particularly uh, meaningful or the one that you that has helped you most in your own life? Yeah, actually, it's hard to pick a favorite. <laughs> but what I feel called to share, and I kind of have two, but I feel that it would be good to share about the fourth goddess who is called Goddess Kushmanda. And she is said to have created the world through heartfelt laughter. And she teaches us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she teaches us that when we are joyful, when we are smiling, when we are laughing, that's when we are our most creative and productive best. And this idea of working from joy, working from a feeling of love and a feeling of fullness within, feeling complete within, instead of searching for completion or satisfaction from the work or whatever it is that we're doing. And I just think that's such a cool idea of 
a mythological being laughing the world into existence. <laughs> and it, am I right? That's the heart chakra that she it is. Yeah. Okay. To talk a little bit about the different chakras, where they're located, um, what uh, what you believe is is you know again maybe one that is easier to understand to maybe one that's a little harder to wrap around. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the the chakras are actually not so much physiological centers, but they're more energetic vortexes. They're okay. kind of like a way to help us locate in the body where certain psychological things are happening. Okay. So for example, the root chakra is actually really difficult to pinpoint because it's kind of in the perineum, you know, and it's like our like what we access when we are eliminating our bowels and oh, okay. it, it may not really need to physically connect with it as much as understand the idea of being rooted to the earth and feeling grounded and feeling like you have stability and anchoring on this physical world, right? So that's kind of the theme around it. You know, that reminds me, uh, I was a I was trained to be a music therapist before I got into clinical psychology. And we talked a lot about energy fields and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was a runner at the time. um, And I remember my supervisor who was talking about the chakras said, as you run, instead of thinking about how far you're going to go or what you're, you know, can you see where you're going to turn around or how many miles are you trying to achieve? sink into your body and your breathing and just feel like your whole center is moving forward, you know, and that you are, that your center is where that energy is coming from, not your legs, you mm-hmm. know, with your breathing too, but but really center yourself almost in your gut, you know, to to move you forward. It was It was incredible the change it made in how I experienced going jogging it wasn't about oh i made it four miles today or i made it or i sweat this much or what did i think about it was this sense of really groundedness it was incredible that's amazing yeah and feeling that connection with the chakras it has also an emotional impact so a lot of people also focus on the solar plexus which is the third chakra and that you know, the physiological indicators kind of give us a clue like, oh, that's where it is approximately to be able to go into connecting with that function. So this one's a little easier to locate because it is approximately around your navel, like your belly. Mm-hmm. And it's where you are digesting food and information and emotions and life's experiences. And when we feel sluggish in our digestion, when we feel like we're not really processing our information coming in or the emotions that we're feeling, then it really helps to connect with this idea of fire being in the belly, like in a literal sense. And this idea of the fire that we need to transform, to digest, to metabolize, to transform from one state of being to another state. Just like when we eat food, 
it transforms from being a solid substance into fuel for ourselves and into a different shape that we can assimilate and then eliminate what we don't need from it. Mm-hmm. So similarly, mm-hmm. we have to start to look at our emotions like this, which I'm sure you know, you're know you teaching people also to do as a, a psych, uh, psychologist where you know it's not enough to just experience everything in life. We have to also understand it. We have to reflect upon it. We yes. have to digest it in order to be able to transmute it, to be able to allow that pain that we feel as part of our human existence to become our connection to our power and our purpose, which is what this third chakra is really all about. So it's Mm -hmm. easy to locate, but it's functions and actually igniting it, you know, and and lighting up that fire inside, you can do it in a literal sense through even, say, running or exercise or through incorporating certain digestive spices into your food to feel that fire Mm -hmm. in a physical sense. Mm -hmm. And that's actually helpful to then be able to digest and process even emotions if people are in kind of a depressed state of mind or feeling a lot of sadness or feeling heavy or feeling fatigue or exhaustion, no matter how much you may be sleeping, it's really, really helpful to connect with the opposite of that lethargic feeling, which is like the energy, the heat, the intensity, the fire of the transformation that can then awaken you to feeling lighter, to feeling, you know, happier, to feeling more joyful and uplifted. I think that that's incredible information and leads me to even more specific question. You said prior to you beginning this practice that you certainly had some mental health challenges. Yes. Oh, yeah. And can you talk to us about that and then begin to um, help us understand how you teaching, well, being taught, you, you were a novice at the time, but how mm-hmm. how did this learning the way of the goddess and all about Ayurveda, how did that help you with your own mental health struggles? Because there are plenty of people listening here who are currently experiencing some things they don't understand and they can get mm-hmm. overwhelmed about what to do. And, and this is certainly a whole different approach as to um, – what they, you know, what I talk about on self-work all the time, what can you do about it? So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So prior to discovering Ayurveda, I suffered a lot from eating disorders that started when I was around 12 or 13 years old. It was a way to try to control the uncontrollable in life. That was the first time I experienced loss of relatives. I had to really close relatives pass away that year within Mm -hmm. one month of each other. And they were really like, yeah, they were like role models for me of spirituality and living a life of service. So I was really attached to them. They didn't live here. They lived in India. So I didn't even get to see them that often. And then the shocking realization of never being able to see them again. And one within a month of another was just, really a lot to process. And I wasn't given the time or space to do that. Literally the day, yeah, the day after my cousin had passed away, I had to go and entertain someone who was visiting from out of town and help them 
feel more comfortable. And yeah, and so I, I couldn't even like process my own pain or cry or grieve or have a healthy experience of grief. I had to like deny it and suppress it and try to go be happy and welcoming and yeah. Yeah. And that, that story in a sense is a lot of what I was raised with, which is this kind of conditioning that it's all about how much you give to others and even giving to others at the expense of your own well-being. I think it's a common script, you know, especially women, you know, Mm -hmm. those who identify as women, we feel that we are supposed to do that, you know, and be caretakers Mm -hmm. and care for others until we can't function anymore. And it was, I think that experience that really caused me to start taking out my deep emotions on food. And I had gone through uh, some sexual trauma in childhood also, and that was totally so stored away, far, far away. And I didn't even know that I had that experience. It wasn't until, you know, m- many years later that I got to uncover some of those like deeper traumas and be able to acknowledge them and to feel that they actually served a purpose because I could finally rise above them. And I feel that actually connecting with the divine in the form of a goddess is really psychologically inspirational, you know, in a world where we kind of associate God with a masculine energy Mm -hmm. overall. And this idea of a warrior mother goddess that lives within our chakras is just a cool idea that I felt was like, yeah, okay, you know, so all these things in life may have happened, I may have gone through a lot of things that were out of my control, and that were really difficult for me. But just even this idea of a goddess living in my third chakra itself was like, wow, armed with weapons to protect myself in the face of any kind of harm or challenges, and to also fight the battle within that was blocking me from being able to digest anything food wise, emotion wise, uh, and, and all the rest. So did you try Western medicine? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I tried everything. I tried so many things. I tried talk therapy, it was helpful for sure. But then I tried vegan diet, raw food diet, different diets that I don't even remember the names of now. (laughs) And I tried going on these long meditation retreats for 10 days of silently sitting with yourself in the void of, you know, people and no electronics either. And I also went to the online help forums for eating disorders. I went to the library to kind of self-diagnose what caused my eating disorder because I always... Do you mind being specific? Was it anorexia or binge eating disorder? Or do you mind mind being specific about what it was? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I had anorexia. And I did sometimes do binge eating also, but more anorexia. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. An emotional eating pattern Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I remember like learning all about what I was going through, but then feeling like, oh, what a label, you know, like, I don't like having all these <laughs> labels. Put I'm a on disorder. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not a disorder, you know, and then 
you don't want to identify with that. But at the same time, reading all the symptoms, it's like, oh, shoot, but I do, you know, check all these boxes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is not good news. You know, like it just makes you feel more despair than anything else. Like I would go on the, um, I don't want to name the forum, but in case it's still around, and I'm sure it might be helping some people. But when I would go on these help forums, I would feel way more triggered to then like keep doing the no. bad habits. That's exactly. That's what a lot of people tell me. That's what a lot of yeah. people tell me. Mm-hmm. It's so terrible. It's like, oh my gosh, they talk about how they, they stick their fingers down their throat. And I was just like, why are you giving me more ideas for stuff that I should not be doing? Exactly. It, it can be because a lot of the times people are on there that really have not healed they they are they are some of them are wanting support to continue not necessarily consciously they they may be on their thinking it's about healing but it's it's actually i mean even i remember in graduate school saying groups for people with anorexia are sometimes not good because you know they will compete with each other about who's thinner and who whose arms are you know more frail and that kind of thing so so what then why Ayurveda? Well, because I was tired of all these labels. I intuitively always felt that we have to find the root cause and be able to address that root cause. Mm-hmm. I got an idea of the causes by childhood trauma, this, that, and the other thing that the books would educate me about. But I didn't feel that even doing any of the things that I was doing were really fully addressing all parts of myself. So it wasn't until I had gone to Stanford for a talk on Ayurveda that I was sitting in the auditorium and feeling like, oh, wow, this is a holistic tradition that addresses all parts of me equally and views my childhood trauma as just as significant as my indigestion. (laughs) And I thought that was incredible. And I also eloquently put, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. I also appreciated that here was a system that wasn't going to judge me or make me a clinical prescription label. I appreciated that here was a system that actually gave me hope and gave me an inspirational message that health is my birthright and my true nature. It was not something I ever heard before. And I think just hearing that message and this idea of a tradition that would holistically address all parts of me really resonated and felt like it answered what I intuitively was searching for without knowing at that time how to find it. And that's really how I came across it. And yoga gave definitely a lot of relief. Meditation definitely gives relief, but it also brings up more issues when you're just sitting with yourself endlessly and not able to write, not able to dialogue, not able to kind of like discuss with someone when the deep stuff comes up. So I just felt like I need something that's going to help me go deep and that's going to understand all parts of me. And then I just happened to come into it through the path of yoga and a meditation group I was in and it just clicked. So how is it different from a religion? Yeah, that's a great question. Ayurveda is really all about nature. And it's really all about connecting with the self, which is 
believed to be common within all individuals. And it's really about spirituality of a universal sort and not asking you to subscribe to any kind of religious beliefs. I see. So I see. that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. You said at the very beginning, you said Ayurveda is a way of, I believe it was managing your daily schedule, I think is what you said. Yeah. So what does that mean pragmatically? I'm thinking about the the self-worker who may be listening right now and saying, okay, so I can get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, but so does my six-month-old, and so does my, you know, and the dog has to be taken out, and, you know, i got to fix lunches for my other kids, and then i got to get to work by 7.30, and, you know, and I have a meeting, and, I mean, how 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 does one begin to... Uh, practice Ayurveda when your life is very, very full of responsibilities and things that are just, are your daily activities and your daily either joys or sometimes um, frustrations? Yeah, I think it helps to start small and it helps to reflect before you dive into something on what inspires you what feels doable to you, and why do you want to do it? Knowing your why is really important. For me, the why to heal myself was to be of service to others and to really be able to lead with integrity. So that's what I feel my book is. My book is like that process that I am continually engaging with and also teaching and also committed to continuing to learn myself. And that's what I feel is really helpful for people who are starting out to know that you can do this any way that makes sense to you. And what I'm creating are power of practice circles to help people celebrate the power of practice itself, to talk about why is it that you wish to engage in a practice, to know your why, own your why, and then that will itself fuel you through all the obstacles that come up, which we can discuss in the community, right? And having these kind of communities that can actually be a source of support and give connection where you feel alone in making these changes. I think that community is also a really important medicine to support transformation because it is hard. So two, two questions or a comment and a question come to mind. One of the things I really loved about the book was that you talk about these, um, the different ways that you move through a focus on the different chakras and the stories, and but then you start all over again. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. and you get to go. Oh yes, I kind of remember what happened last time when I did this, or I became aware of that, or this. But then you get a chance to. It, it's like. I likened it to to spring, summer, fall, and winter. I we move through the seasons, or those of us who experience seasons in the world do, <laughs> and and so you know you can think, oh yes, well last spring I did this, or I tried that, or you know maybe this spring I'll do that, and and I think the temporality of that is is not necessarily what you're talking about here with chakra movement or transformation or focus, but. It's still this sense of you're never really finished with this. You, you just yeah. keep 
keep cycling through it and deepening your experience and deepening your understanding. But also, I, I want you to talk about this organization that you formed and that can act as a support group. Because I would imagine if someone picked up your book and just started reading it without that sense of a support group, you might feel a little overwhelmed. Oh, yeah, for sure. I found it really overwhelming in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, that's why. And I just think every change in life, it becomes overwhelming, you sure. know, even now. Like, I'm, I'm going through this period of so much change. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, of course, I've already been through a lot of change, you know. So it's not like I'm new to this. But every time we're thrown into something that feels totally foreign and unknown, it is scary. So that's why I have created community to support the process and help people remember experientially that you are never alone. And I think that's part of the comfort that we get in stories, you know, mm -hmm. that, oh, these mythological characters also went through battles like that we're, we're going through, which can be seen like what we're going through. It helps us feel seen and heard and understood, you know, by people from many, many centuries ago, which I think mm -hmm. is so cool itself. And I have started my organization called The Ancient Way to basically offer group programs to help people embody the practices in this book. Actually, two of the community programs are literally rooted in continuing to deepen into this book because that's my interest so i'm mm -hmm. like why not invite people sure. to join me right sure. and say like sure. let's do it again and again and have more resources also with it so i'm really excited that we'll be launching our circle of life community program really soon with all kinds of resources to help you first of all assess what chakra do you need to work on the most you know and you'll be able to kind of figure that out through checking out uh, inventory about how do you know if it's in balance or out of balance. And accordingly, then you'll be able to navigate the community to know like, okay, so I need to dive into the exploration of the first chakra and get grounded, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to check out the yoga videos for how to get more grounded. I'm going to eat the recipes that are having grounding foods and herbs and spices. And we have links for where you can order any spices or foods that may be a little unfamiliar to you and also how to make healthier versions of your favorite foods so that you can digest them so that mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. still enjoy what you like, but in a healthier way. So we'll have a whole recipe library available to help you eat. And the name of it is again, in a healthy what? way. The name of it again is what? The name of the of the source or the place or the group is what? Oh, it's called the Circle of Life Community. And where can you find that? On theancientway.co. Theancientway.co. Yeah, and then you can go dash community to get okay. directly. Okay. I, I just think this is fascinating and I admire your courage and tenacity and your openness and your transparency about what you yourself have discovered and what you've uh, struggled with. Is there anything else about the book that you think would be particularly important to let people know about? Again, it's called The Way of the Goddess. Yeah, yeah. About the book, it was actually the bravest thing I've ever done to write this it's book true. and re really own all my 
you know, struggles and own the darkness that ultimately led to more and more light. And every step with this book and with the process that it is encapsulating or bringing to life in the form of words and images and step-by-step processes and practices along with my personal experiences is something that keeps leading me to continued growth outside of my comfort zone. I personally feel that this modern world post-pandemic, if, if it even is post-pandemic, <laughs> is, is one where we do need to be warriors and we do need to have courage because it is involving a lot of surrendering to the unknown and being able to trust that we truly have within us the strength and the power to overcome all the darkness that comes to us or that we encounter within ourselves because we are more than we think we are. We are stronger than we think we are. And I just want people to know that. You do offer a lot of structure and and at the same time honor the uniqueness of everyone's uh, path, but but you say, oh, you you know, it's not like you do one through five and you'll and then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that. It's it's simply here are one through five and here are five things that might be helpful, and that's it. So thank you so very much, Ananta, and and tremendous uh, success. I hope with your book. I know it's already been successful, and with your your group and your new ventures and and you're going to help a lot of people and um it's been my honor to try to do that for many years now and it is a joyful sometimes uh, painful but often extremely fulfilling kind of life to live and so um so good for you (laughs) oh thank you so much that really touches my heart and means a lot coming from you and just knowing the kind of work that you're supporting people to do. It's always such a pleasure to connect with like-minded souls. And maybe we can also invite you to come and uh, be a guest in our community as well. I would love that. I I would be. Thank you so, so much. Really, really appreciate your time and presence and the wonderful work that you are doing. Thank you. Back at you, as we'd say. Thank you again so much for being here. I hope that Anantas and my interview was something that really turned on some interest, curiosity, a sense of discovery for you. If again, you've always been curious about those kinds of practices. My interview with her reminded me of how much meditation means to me, and I have begun meditating again since then, and I can't tell you the difference it makes. So I hope you'll try out some of her ideas. I'm always very honored by your presence here and try to really present to you a lot of different kinds of ideas about how to approach mental health, mental wellness, and of course, the treatment of mental illness. So thank you very much for being here. Please take good care. These are hard times for many of you, and we need to love one another and support one another in our communities. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.